Welcome back in to David L. Gray Off Code and Unscripted. I got five for 10 for you today. That is when I have five amazing things to say, but only 10 minutes to say them. So let's start the clock now. On my Facebook page the other day, I posted this saying. It says, what you do after you leave mass and what you do in between the masses is more important than what you do during the mass. Now, for a lot of people, this saying made a lot of sense. They got it. But for others, this was a very challenging saying. And we should talk about why it was, a, it was challenging, because this is very important. The reason why it was challenging, because unfortunately, for a lot of years, we have been promoting something called liturgy wars. Liturgy wars is when we've been training people to uh, believe that the traditional Latin mass is superior in form and even is liturgical calendar in many other ways is superior than the um, Norvis Ordo mass. So by teaching people that one thing is more superior than the other, we've turned these people into what is called traditional Latin mass supremacy. So as a premise, as a traditional Latin mass premise, what they begun to do was to idolize a liturgy. And rather than uh, worshiping through the liturgy, they began to worship the thing itself. They worship the liturgy. They've turned it into an idol. What's the problem with that? Many. But the main problem is that, well, that's not what the liturgy is for. You see, friends? We don't do battle during the mass. That's not where the battle is. No one has ever become a saint in our church by how, how well they massed, about how well they liturgied, about how, how well they, no one's ever become a saint about, about how well they prayed or sang the traditional mass. No, every saint in our church has become a saint for what they did after they left the mass. You see? What the mass is doing is the battle is not there. The battle is in the world. And what the liturgy is doing is preparing you, it's equipping you, it's giving Christ himself. Why? To go do battle in the world. This is what Paul meant when he said, armor yourself. He was speaking about the liturgy. Everything that the liturgy gives you is for the battle after you leave mass. So during that week in between the masses, you're doing battle. And you have all the graces and the helps you need. You, you can return to the sacraments, anointing the sick, the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. You have the sacramentals. That's how you're doing battle in the world. Then you return to Mass to re-equip yourself, to armor yourself. It's really sad that we've gotten to this point where people are worshiping liturgy. The liturgy does not even want to keep you there. Even during the Mass, you're not even your own. You don't become a saint during the Mass. You don't. Because during the Mass, you're not even your own person, so to speak. You think you're saying what you want to say during the Mass? No. The liturgy is telling you what to say. You're a child during the liturgy. You can't even stand and sit on your own. Your mother, the liturgy tells you when to sit, when to stand. Why? So because, again, the liturgy is to prepare you for the battle so that when you are dismissed and you go out into the world to do battle, you know what to speak because the liturgy has given you what to say. You know what to stand for. You know what to sit for because the liturgy has equipped you to. So understand this, friends. 
The liturgy is not for the battle. The battle does not take place there. Rather, the liturgy is preparing you for the battle in the world. So yes, it's what you do after Mass and in between Masses that's more important than what you do during the Mass because that is what makes you a saint. But how do you know if you're a traditional Latin Mass supremacist? Here's some quick tests. If you're always correcting your novice ordo friends about their liturgical calendar, saying stuff like, eh, the Feast of St. Dominic is not on August 8th, it's on August 6th. Nope, there's no such thing as ordinary time. We are in the 100th week of Pentecost. You may be a traditional Latin Mass supremacist. If your brother is a novice ordo priest, and for Christmas you bought him a brother and a cassock, you may be a traditional Latin Mass supremacist. If the only Mass available is available for your Sunday obligation is a Norvis Order Mass, but you won't go to, but rather just stay home and pray the rosary, you're, you're probably a traditional Latin Mass supremacist. But if a Norvis Order Mass is the only Mass available to fulfill your Sunday obligation and you go to it, but while you're there, you only say the responses in Latin, and you don't do the responsorial psalm, you're still a traditional Latin mass supremacist. If your mom died and you've kept her on ice for the last two years because you cannot find a priest to say the funeral rites in Latin, you're definitely a traditional Latin mass supremacist and probably have some mental issues as well. If you believe that Pope Pius V in his Apostolic Constitution, K. Prima, 1570, if you believe that it, what he said in there about establishing traditional mass, if you believe that's dogmatic and not just a liturgical discipline that, that cannot change because of that you think the Norvis Ordo is a heresy, you're definitely a traditional Latin mass supremacist. And you probably live in your mother's basement. Now, having said that, we all know that the Norvis Order Rites is in need of much reform. Here's my top five. Here's my top five reforms in the Norvis Order. Let me know yours in the comment box below. Number one, it has to be mandated that any time that the liturgy is celebrated has to be ad orientum. We deserve to see our father pray as a father ought. That is facing God facing the source of revelation. I have no idea why he's facing us and what he's looking at. But it's, it's, it's inculcated and maybe gave him a, a sense of uh, psychosis probably that because he face, facing us, he has to entertain us. It's been so harmful for priests. This is the first time in the history of any religion Protestantism not included because it's not a religion, it's an anti-religion. But every other religion, this has been the first time that people have not prayed towards their source of revelation. It has to be at Orientum. Number two, you had to bring the altar rails back and teach people and require people to receive kneeling and on the tongue and get rid of whatever this thing is called a Eucharistic minister. No, the reason why people have to kneel to receive their king is, is because when you form the body, you form the mind. So by teaching the body to be reverent, you're also informing the mind. You're making a better person. And also by teaching the body how to dress well for the liturgy, you're also forming the mind. It has a complete, it, it completely changes the person once their body begins to behave in a certain way their mind does as well. Uh, 
you, you gotta get rid of the choir. Send the choir back to the loft or, or somewhere else. I'm tired of looking at the choir. Liturgical music deserves to be heard, not seen. Get rid of altar girls. No point in time in salvation history has a sacrifice been prepared by a woman. <laughs> not, not the sacrifice in the Old Covenant. Not the, 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 the Last Supper that Jesus sent his disciples to prepare. Their sacrifice itself is a duty of men. We're called to make sacrifices. Physical, corporal sacrifices. Not only make them, but also to prepare for them. Bring back only altar boys. And fifth, priests have to get licensed every two years, maybe, to celebrate the liturgy. Every two years, a priest has to renew his license, um, proving it by proving and demonstrating that he knows how to say the black and do the red. Those are my five reforms. Let's go. I'm so tired of these Catholic social media influencers doing their damnedest to defend the gay document, fiducia supplicants. Even Robert Cardinal Seurat has come out recently and called the thing heresy. But you still have these Catholic social media influencers like Michael Lofton over Reason Theology, who says on Twitter, Hi everyone, I just want to point out that during the liturgy, when a priest blesses everyone in the congregation, there are many couples there who are living in irregular unions and even some who live in same-sex unions. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> At a certain point, just shut the fuck up. So this is the time that we live in. So a story coming out of Peru is that witches in Peru, Satanists, are encouraging people to go into Catholic masses and to bring out with them the Holy Eucharist so they can do these demonic rituals with. Now, check out the math here. So about 50% of Catholics believe in the real presence that the Holy Eucharist is actually Jesus Christ. 100% of Satanists do. This is like biblical times when the demons knew who Jesus was, but the Jews didn't. Wrap your minds around this. This is the time we live in. So that's all I know about that. This is David L. Gray off Code Unscripted. Remember, Jesus loves you and is there for you. I'll see you next time.